One of my favorite expressions is like advocacy technically means the ability to redress grievances. And I always laugh because, okay, I love Seinfeld. And I think of the episode of Festivus where they do the airing of grievances. Yes. And I think, (laughs) don't do that, right? Like when you're advocating and you disagree with something, certainly don't, you know, yell across the table like Frank Costanza, but explain why something isn't quite up to the level that, you know, the California Rural Health Association wants and ways we think we can make it better. Welcome to This is Rural Health a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural health care with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This is Rural Health, the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association. I'm Scott Hertzberg, your host, and I'm joined with Heather Hawkins, our CSRHA president. And in this episode, episode two, we just interviewed Josh Jorgensen with the National Rural Health Association. Josh serves as the government affairs and policy manager there, and he had some really interesting things to talk to us about advocacy. What are your thoughts, Heather? Josh really brought out the fact of how much we rely on each other and how we can use each other as resources and, and help each other through this complicated time. And so advocacy is part of that. And I think that it's so important to realize how complex life has gotten since COVID-19, right, Scott? Yeah, and I think he helped kind of remove some of the uh, myths around the big scary thing of reaching out to your government officials. So absolutely. I hope you all enjoy it. Stay tuned. Upcoming is episode two of This is Rural Health with Josh Jorgensen. Well, Josh, it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for taking time for our second This is Rural Health episode. Uh, how's everything going for you out in D.C.? You know what? Things are things are going well. The American Rescue Plan was signed into law by President Biden, and I'm sure we can go into some of the details about that piece of legislation. But the uh, the weather's nice, and you know we're recording on a Friday, so what else can I say? Absolutely. And And Heather, how's everything going for you? Fantastic. It's great to be here. And it's great that Josh is able to join us today. So thank you. Yeah. So, you know, 2020 was a pretty big year for so many reasons, but on a healthcare legislation perspective, we had a lot of stuff move forward with temporary things that we're hoping to make permanent, like telehealth for rural health clinics would be fantastic. But we also had big packages, you know, financial relief and things. So we just had this big American Rescue Act signed up. You know, do you anticipate 2021 to kind of follow suit with these larger sweeping healthcare packages and reforms? So I think that's a, it's an interesting question, right? Because I guess the way I look at it is, you know, I, I think of it like the movie, The Perfect Storm. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but where they're in the eye of the hurricane and, you know, Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney look up and they're like, okay, we're almost out of it. And they're going back through it. And I think we're midway through trying to get out of this thing. And so I think the next relief that we see is likely not going to be as orientated towards healthcare as maybe the CARES Act was or some of those earlier packages in 2020, simply because I think kind of the the narrative out here in Washington, and at least throughout a lot of the country, is vaccines are starting to get into arms, restaurants and stuff are trying to open. But we're still really looking at 
you know, trying to get the unemployment level down and continuing the American economy and rebuilding that. So I think for future relief in 2021, it likely won't be as healthcare orientated, but likely more infrastructure. So from NRHA standpoint, we're really looking at, you know, how does rural health fit into infrastructure? And I think there's a lot of ways that you can see that, you know, whether that's capital for, you know, facilities and projects on, you know, campus, broadband comes to mind as, you know, we spoke about telehealth flexibilities and some of these great, great things happening. But, you know, you have to have broadband to get there. So I I think we're going to see more infrastructure oriented things, but I think there's a way that rural health fits in there. It might not just be related to your Medicare, Medicaid type provisions like you would historically have seen in 2020. Absolutely. And, and I was just looking at this. Your your logo says, with great challenges comes great opportunity. Let's work together. So isn't that appropriate? It seems from what you're saying is great challenges, great opportunity just, just seems to ring true, especially this year. Kind of going off of that, Heather, I have this tote bag from the Policy Institute a couple of years ago when I went in person. And it has, you know, the check boxes on it. And it says Republican, Democrat, those are unchecked. And the last box says rural health advocate. And that's got the big check mark. And, you know, I think that that kind of speaks to you know, what you were saying, Heather, about, you know, we have to come together, right? The, a lot of the theme of the Biden administration was around unity. And, you know, how critical is it for people to kind of put aside their party differences necessarily and come together for rural health, you know, reach across the the aisle, because in the end, you know, whether you are Republican or Democrat or independent, if we're in rural health, we're all kind of after the same thing. Yeah, you know, I I think the way I look at it is, you know, before the call, we're saying, I'm from South Dakota, you guys are all located in California, I think we can agree that politically speaking, they're different states. However, they both have a lot of rural areas. And I've always looked at things saying people get elected to office based on trying to make things a better place, right? They, they care about their communities. They care about the employers in the communities and the health outcomes of their community, whether there's an RD or an I next to their name on the election ballot. So once you have that in mind, like having those conversations are extremely important. Folks like you all in California, me in D.C., we're supposed to be advocates. And really what that means is educating, right? So who better knows what's happening for a rural hospital in California than you all and your members and people working there and facility staff and administrators, they're going to be able to explain to you know your delegation what's specifically happening in California and how it relates to what needs to happen in Washington, just like somebody in South Dakota or in Missouri is going to know those situations better than anybody else. But at the end of the day, There's a lot of differences between the states and rural areas, but there's also a lot of common ground. For example, you know, we talked about telehealth flexibilities. I think that's the easy one to go to because everybody's been so excited over the last year about having the opportunity to expand telehealth. And we all have a story, I think, in how each facility has gained different outcomes from that and explaining that to your elected officials and showing like, hey, this is what's happening for an employer in your community, not only an employer, but a health facility helping patients and explaining those outcomes. It doesn't matter if there's a Republican, Democrat, Independent. I think at the end of the day, if they know these are helping people, they're going to want to see how they can best extend it. The outcome might just look different based on you know how their ideology comes to it. But at the end of the day, I really believe that everybody wants to see rural health become better. It's just how we get. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think one of the things we've seen with uh, you know COVID-19 and all that is it's really I was talking with someone else how it's kind of shined a light on everything else. So in some places, it just is really highlighted. If you're doing well, you're probably doing better. If you're not doing so well, 
you're probably still not doing well. And, you know, we've been very grateful of the ability to pivot to telehealth. But I know that it is about kind of making that story heard, right? Getting out in front of folks. So prior to you coming to the NRHA, I believe you worked as a legislative aide in South Dakota. So what kind of role does a legislative aide play in in getting that message from the constituents to the elected official? So I worked for Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota out here in D.C. for about a little more than four years. And during that time, I worked on kind of a a large gambit of issues. And and that's pretty common for uh, legislative staff. So I worked on healthcare issues, telecom issues, education issues and Native American issues. And all of them kind of had that rural focus, obviously, given the nature of my home state of South Dakota. But really, in that role, you kind of serve as the eyes and ears for meetings for that representative and senator, right? So in normal times, pre-2020... <laughs> right, in the before times. Folks would fly out to Washington, usually once a year, kind of like what NRHA does with our policy day. You would request a meeting with that senator representative's office and then go in. Usually as the staff member, you take the bulk of the meeting and then the senator would pop in for two or three minutes, maybe five. But the majority of what you're hearing actually goes through the staff member. So the legislative aid is is so critical in explaining the story, telling what's happening, why it's important, and really offering to be the resource that you you can be for that member, because they're ultimately the ones who decipher the information and pass it up the chain. So, you know, you explaining why it's so important to your facility, going through them will ultimately get to the senator or chief of staff, however that office might work. You know, sometimes it's a more hands-on office, sometimes it's more hands-off, but they're really the guard, you know, the people opening the door for the information. And I think what's really important about those roles and really important to understand, and I think it it kind of gets lost on on folks at times is a lot of times you're going to meet the individuals in these roles and they're going to be 23, 24 year olds who might really. Right, right. Like fresh out of college, maybe to start their 20, 30 year career in Washington. Listen, and I'll be the first one to admit it, you know, and I'll just say it. It's like when I first started, this is kind of a more loose example, but I didn't really understand the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, because I'm like 22, (laughs) 23 coming out of school, right? Like, I know that sounds a little ignorant, but you got to know that a lot of folks don't come from this from a public health background. It's more maybe a journalism degree, political science degree. They're learning the issues. They might understand the process, but not the issues as well. And that's where the advocates are so important because, you know, somebody working in a rural health clinic knows what is important about the Medicare provisions or Medicaid provisions or whatever the case may be, more importantly than the staff member might. But he knows the process to get things across the finish line. So it's kind of like you have to be married at the hip to get things done. And so when you first meet those staffers, and it's going to happen, and they might not understand totally what you're talking about, or they don't understand the acronyms, it's okay to just take it back. Like I always say when I'm talking to folks, it's like, The first meeting doesn't have to be, we don't need to go into the reimbursement rates for RHCs right away. Maybe save that for meeting two, because the first meeting needs to just be, here's who I am, where I'm from, what my facility is doing in the district, why it's important as an employer, as a healthcare provider, et cetera, and then explain the issues later on and kind of build that relationship and don't bombard them with quiz-esque questions. Because Believe me, I've had it. 
when I've been on the Hill where you get asked a question and you're like, am I on jeopardy or is this, <laughs> is this, you know, something? Cause you know, you just, you might, you might not come from it. As I explained, I had four issue areas. So there'd be days where I'd be taking a meeting with a tribe and then the next meeting would be with a rural broadband provider. And then it would be with a school district. And then you come to a meeting with a rural health clinic and you might not just be in that mindset. So it's really important to always treat them as, as you would want to be treated if you knew you didn't completely understand the issue. My college background, I have a degree in anthropology, right? So that did not prepare me for healthcare necessarily. But you know, you start a job and you move and you move to the next thing. And then eventually you, you land where you need to be. So, and I know we have a lot of folks in rural health who kind of came into that from they knew someone and they got a summer job. And then now all of a sudden they're running a practice and they care about, you know, is this flu shot supposed to go on my cost report or not? Or what about a COVID shot and all that stuff? So I get it. It sounds like what you're really saying is that we need to build relationships with legislative aides and and downstream folks so that we have that person we can go to and say, hey, this change that's being talked about is going to impact us and here's how. And that, you know, not just at the ballot box, but like throughout the year, have that relationship. Right. And, and I think it's important to just become like almost a friend, right? Like I had several people who I, when I was working there and I like to consider NRHA as kind of those folks for a lot of offices on the Hill where it's a place where they can just call and say, Hey, like I'm getting a lot of information about rural health clinics from a previous packet and what happened. Can you help walk me through this and explain what's really happening? And that's okay. And that's what you want as an advocate is to be able to explain the issue and how it's impacting you. And that comes from building the relationship throughout the years. Like I always use the example in South Dakota, and I know rural parts of the country are this way, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon that you always think of in Hollywood, like in rural areas, it's like the two degrees of South Dakota or of North Dakota or Montana. Like you likely know somebody who went to high school with their daughter or, you know, went to college with them and creating that human interaction really helps you later on, I think, in trying to advocate because you can bring it up and be like, hey, like, how's Stacy doing? And then say, you know, now we're working on rural health clinics. Can I get you for a minute? Well, and it helps to, you know, at least separate you from the nameless, faceless people out there. Like you, you are a person, you have a story, you know, in our last episode and, and Heather, you have a relationship with Dr. Ayala, who we spoke to in our last episode, you know, a lot of the changes that he's been making have been really in his local community. And so I know work that the NRHA does is with members of Congress. So what would you say for folks who have been maybe doing some community engagement work, but want to go that step further? What what should be that next step for them? I think it starts with trying to talk to a quote unquote decision maker. So it's really, it's always important to email your representatives and senators and get on their email list and understand that. But the more face-to-face, I know that's tough in in COVID times, but virtual town halls, you know, listening into if they're doing teletown halls over the state line or whatever the case may be, listening into those, finding out who the health ledge aid is. And a lot of times you can find that, we can help find that information for you, but reaching out to them directly and saying, you know, hi, Mr. Smith, my name is XYZ. And just starting that relationship and explaining why you're trying to, rather than just sending an email to what can oftentimes be an unmonitored, you know, inbox, it's going directly to the decision maker. 
and then setting up that conversation. I think that's the best way to start it, but anything you can do, right? I mean, things start at the local level and they build themselves up. So community outreach in the city, in the town, in the district can build itself up to working through the senator's office. And NRHA is always happy to help facilitate those conversations. And, and Josh, I think that I've noticed NRHA has a pretty vast social media presence. And then you put out publications, the, what is it, NRHA Connect. So there's lots of ways I think that you can learn and you know, contribute to the conversation. Right. And, and that's kind of our, our role is to keep people informed as to what is happening out here in Washington. You know, we're not trying to just bombard you with, hey, this bill was dropped, go and call. You know, it's really the big time issues that we'd love to see engagement on that we tried to put out there. And if you see something through NRHA Connect and, and you say, hey, this this is important to my facility, like I didn't realize this was happening, but this is, reach out to us and we'll help get you the names of the folks you need to be reaching out to in your community to help make a difference on that. So Josh, I have to say, you know, Heather and I attended the Policy Institute and we were talking during your presentation, some of the other presentations. I've been working in healthcare for just about 15 years. I thought I knew everything that was going on. And man, was that not true as I'm hearing you, you know, you guys talk about the different policies and how we can all, you know, get involved and how this is how it hits a reimbursement rate and all these things. Because I, that's not my world. That's not my slice of healthcare. And, you know, I get asked sometimes by our elected officials, hey, we've got this bill that's coming. I mean, I just got one. I think last week we had a state senator reach out, you know, I have this bill we want to introduce. We would love the CSRHA to sign off on it. And I'm thinking, okay, why are you talking to me? Oh, wait, I'm the person that does CSRHA. I'm the person who needs to know how policies work and how to sign off on it. So, you know, <laughs> how do we how do we make it more accessible for folks? Well, I mean, I think uh, the, the first thing is to remember to to have fun with it, right? Like when, when somebody reaches out to us, it, it's important just to take it and evaluate it and give them the response that you think that it deserves, right? Like if, if they're coming to us as the quote unquote experts in the field, because I still feel how you just described sometimes. I'm like, I'll get a call okay. or an email and they'll, they'll <laughs> say, hey, and I'm like, oh yeah. But, you know, we do carry, you know, the weight of you're representing California Rural Health. We're representing the National Rural Health Association. And if something does pertain to rural, we should feel comfortable commenting on it. We should feel comfortable, you know, giving our impacts and ways to make this better and really say, you know, hey, like you do this here, but it doesn't quite fit what we need for our California rural health clinics or something like that. And explaining that I think is totally fair and, and doing so in a in a polite way, of course, is always the best way to do it if you disagree. <laughs> um, I always say one of my favorite expressions is like advocacy technically means like the ability to redress grievances. And I always laugh because, okay, I love Seinfeld. And I think of the episode of Festivus where they do the airing of grievances. Yes. And I think, <laughs> don't do that, right? Like when you're advocating and you disagree with something, certainly don't, you know, yell across the table like Frank Costanza, but explain why something isn't quite up to the level that, you know, the California Rural Health Association wants to be or the National Rural Health Association and ways we think we can make it better. Because if they're asking for our input, we have every right to do it, but always have fun with it and be respectful is, is my advice on it. Yeah, I would like to see California in general more involved in stuff. You know, it was, it was weird being at the Policy Institute, I mean, virtually at the Policy Institute in February. And 
you know, Heather and I were kind of two of the delegates for California and we're looking at the roster and I'm seeing, I've got to say, it was like 40 people from Missouri or, you know, like this squadrons that I can't imagine. They're like dividing up the state. They have this whole action plan. Like you're going to take this district, you're going to take this district. And in California, I think we had five people signed up and three of them were on the CSRHA board. And I'm like, we've got the, like geographically, one of the larger states, we have more representatives than any state. I mean, some of our representatives have huge swaths of land. I think District 1 is like the northern third of California. But it would have been really great to have that, you know, hey, you guys go tackle Central California. You tackle Northern. I remember we had a conference and we had folks from Modoc County come. Modoc County is like this upper northeast corner of California and they are so remote out there. There's like one hospital in the entire area. And it's like their voices need to be heard just as much as, you know, mine in Sacramento, right? And so I would, I would love to see more Californians answering the call, getting involved, even if it's just locally. So th- I think there's a lot of fantastic resources with the NRHA. The CSRHA, as, as your California partner, is happy to help as well. You know, I now have the names of legislative aides, which is really fantastic. Yeah. And and I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, California is a huge state, but it's also, frankly, very important politically right now. You know, right. As you just mentioned, the for, one of your former senators, now vice president, former attorney <laughs> yeah, She got promoted to yeah. have a brand new senator. Former, former attorney generals, the presumptive HHS secretary, the speaker of the house and the minority leader all reside in California. So, you know, these issues are important, though. You know, during presumptive secretary Becerra's nomination, he talked extensively about rural health and, and who better to help advocate than somebody from his home state. So we're always happy to help gain that support from California and build it out because not only do you have a lot of rural areas that need need support, like you said, just as much as folks in Sacramento and San Francisco, but also uh, they're they're important to talk to. So it's it's a win-win. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're coming up on time. Josh, I would love to thank you so much for joining us. Are there any specific issues that the NRHA is advocating for that our listeners need to be aware of that they should focus their attention on in 2021? Oof, that's a good one. A lot. No. Huge list. So let's see here. You know, I think One of the big ones is in the December COVID-19 relief package, there was some changes to the rural health clinic program that had some uh, unintended consequences for provider-based RHCs. And NRHA is working to create uh, some technical fixes with that, um, but we'd love support from from you and your members on. Uh, Additionally, we're trying to get Medicare sequestration relief extended through the end of this year. Medicare sequestration is supposed to go back into effect in at the end of the month in March. Uh, so we're working to get that across the finish line. But then lastly, you know, appropriation season's coming back up. Um, we've talked a lot about telehealth. Getting that extended beyond the duration of the public health emergency is key. I think folks are kind of hesitant on that simply because we think this public health emergency is going to last a while. But we're, we're constantly working on things. Go to NRHA Connect, you know, keep in touch with the California Rural Health Association and, and we'll work together. Fantastic. What is the website for NRHA? It is ruralhealthweb.org. All right, ruralhealthweb.org. Well, Josh, it has been fantastic having you join us today for episode two of the This is Rural Health podcast, Advocacy 101. I really hope that people get out there and get involved in their communities. Reach out to your representative or your legislative aide and uh, you know make some connections, get our voices heard. 
Heather, anything from you? It was just great to talk to you today. And thank you for all the helpful information. We're very grateful. So thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me anytime. All right. Take care, everybody. This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at csrha.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health. It's copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.